and thank you for joining us here at Therapy Unwound. My name is Jenny Walker and as well as being an advanced clinical massage therapist, anatomy nerd and master's student down at UWE, I am your host for today. We are here to take a deep dive into the wonderful world of therapeutics and I'm very pleased to be in our recording booth today in the sunny town of Godalming. Today, I am in the perfect zone to take you down the rabbit hole of mini dosing, evidence based practice, and showing you three simple steps to get a better grip on the daily practices. It's been a very busy time here at Therapy Unwound and at Cornerstone Therapies, my practice studio where I work each day to help my clients during the week. We have just celebrated a few graduations with clients who have been signed off from their rehab journey. There's a dissertation portfolio that is in the throes of the final edits, and there is general shenanigans going on with interviews for the next series in the podcast. Bryony is doing a sterling job with getting me on track and sharing social media comms. Sophie is being amazing with our interviewees and getting them together. And Jeremy, our stoical producer, is keeping us all grounded and letting me know that banging coffee cups on the table doesn't help his editing process at all. Speaking of coffee, I would like to give a shout out to Cupboard Coffee, who we will be linking just down below in the description fields. They are the guys who fixed us up here at the recording booth with our new coffee kits that we needed to get going. And they've also sent us a wonderful batch of beans to kickstart our caffeinated explorations around the subjects of physical rehabilitation, wellness and therapy. I'd also like to take this time to thank all of you. I cannot get over it. You have been amazing at sharing, following and downloading and making this podcast project a reality. We are so grateful for all your support and it makes the process of researching, writing, recording and uploading every Fridays at 7am actually a real joy. If you want to go and subscribe to Ko-Fi and help us there, um, you will get all the updates and find out what's going on. But you can always follow us on the social links that are linked in the description. I also hope that you're enjoying this month's bookery book of the month. It's James Nestor's book on breath. It's this month's read and Sophie and I are really looking forward to reviewing and discussing the book in a couple of weeks time with you all here on the podcast. You can download it on Audible or you can order it from your local independent bookshops, the indies that have kept our home libraries filled with novel reads throughout the lockdowns that we've been all experiencing. But for now, it's time to take a dive off the board and into the pool of research with this week's edition of Therapy Unwound. clients who have been microdosing many things in the past and the concept of microdosing has always interested me although I have to confess it's not something that I've ever needed to experiment with myself. Microdosing is according to the Cambridge Dictionary the practice of taking a very small dose or a measured amount of a psychedelic drug one that affects the mind in order to become better at solving problems or thinking of new ideas or to treat medical problems such as anxiety, depression or headaches. Three things that I treat every day at the studio and I am passionate about helping. But I am not here to get into the legalisation issues surrounding microdosing, 
But I am here to let you know that the title of the practice has really helped me because quite simply, I like the word and its meaning. Microdosing sounds something that you isn't too arduous to do. And as a fan of James Clear's Atomic Habits book, which advocates daily small habits that build up to make a better future, I can safely say I am up for anything that gets me to that point. Also, the definition, as long as we take the psychedelic drug part out of it, is to add therapeutic doses of things that will make your mind more efficient, creative and help with issues that we have covered in previous episodes. I started mini dosing research and that has led to cornerstone therapies becoming an evidence-based practice. Today we are going to look at three simple aspects of mini dosing research which I personally believe will help you at home to reach a healthy point within your well-being journey. The first step is really easy and in fact you're already doing it and it's finding a media format that you enjoy engaging with. A lot of my clients seem to listen to this podcast and others that they trust in the car. Although you are not actively going on to pub meds to look up journal papers to tell you how hydration calms your kidneys and the knock-on effect it has on reducing anxiety and better sleep, you have chosen to filter your social feeds to tailor around the fact that you would like to know about wellness, health, anxiety, and also how to sleep better. You have chosen to engage with a little bit of mini-dosing with evidence-based research. The changes that you take on from that new knowledge is the foundation of new practices that enable you to lead a healthier, more holistic life. We looked at sleep and anxiety a few episodes ago and I was overwhelmed with the fact that clients came into the studio to say they had taken one or two things from that episode and they have formed new mini-doses within their daily practices that have helped them. A couple started writing down their anxiety on a notepad in the middle of the night. This has helped them see that the patterns of their thought looping are common, but also that they've realised that the problems can be solved in the light of day. Just writing them down has helped calm their minds and they are able to sleep quicker. Others have ditched their phones in the bedroom and for the plethora of reasons we looked at in the sleep and anxiety episode, that can only be a great thing. The fact that they have allowed a mini dose of research into their life has just enhanced it tenfold. Somehow this makes research seem so much more exciting and far less boring. Personally, at the weekend, I can't take too much in my head. I work a lot with learning and teaching and that is the heart outpouring of the work we do here at Therapy Unwound and as well as at Cornerstone Therapies. But I would be the world's most arrogant therapist and the biggest hypocrite if I didn't choose to mini-dose a lot of input into my personal life as well. I actually really enjoy reading an old-school magazine. I often read mine with a cup of tea on a Sunday morning in bed. It's my only day off and I love that quiet time in the morning. So I read Simple Things, a magazine dedicated to simple things in life. And I have learned lots and have been reminded to do a lot of little things in my life to enhance it. So is that evidence-based practice? I think it is, and this is why. I was encouraged, along with all the other readers of the magazine, to listen to birdsong for a few minutes each day. I am really lucky in the fact that I am a lark, and I love waking up early to the dawn chorus during the spring and the summer. I actively started listening to the bird song a few months ago with my first morning cup of tea before getting up for my wake up. 
So instead of sitting in bed with all the thoughts clustering my head and all the things I needed to do during the day, I decided to actively listen to the bird song and for that to overtake my thoughts and I became an active participant in listening. There is no real explanation for it, but it's a practice I now really enjoy and I do it every day. If you want to find out why birdsong is really good for you, all you have to do is go to Google Scholar if you don't have access to a university library. Google Scholar is great. You can type into the search engine the benefits of birdsong and up will pop a load of articles. Well, I did just that. And the first article that came up for me was the Phantom Chorus Birdsong Boosts Human Well-Being in Protected Areas. Daniela Ferraro and her team published this in the Royal Society in December 2020 in association with the RSPB. It's a fascinating read and adds to the discussion around nature boosting mental health. Do I need to read the whole article? No. Often with Google Scholar, you'll find that you're given an abstract. This is around about 250 to 300 words that gives you what the research journal paper is about how they went about their research and their conclusions. You'll also get their cited references, which allow you to then go on and read other articles that formed the basis of these writers' thinkings. The thing that's really good about this is that you can read as little, like the abstract, or as much as you like, but it allows you to find out where the basis of your mini-dosing comes from. Yes, it takes a bit of effort to make sure what you're reading is based on good research, but you know what? Your well-being is worth it, and it is worth the effort to make sure the armour in your armoury is personal to you. I think knowledge is fantastic, but just maybe once a week, reading one abstract on Google Scholar will give you the mini-dose you need to implement that in your life, and that can only be a good thing. My second offering to you today is to learn how to critically think. Part of the 2005 Sicily Statement on Evidence-Based Practice, which we looked at in last week's episode, says that step three is the critical appraisal of evidence for validity, clinical relevance and applicability. It's a bit of a mouthful and we need to take a, a mini dose of the essence to allow us to get to the daily benefit of the applicability. Exercise is good for you. It's a fact that getting fit will decrease your blood pressure, allow your, allow your muscles to strengthen, and you will mentally feel better. There are three statements in that sentence that are generally believed to be so factual that there's no need to research the evidence. One of them is very personal to you, though, and that's the first one, and that's all about blood pressure. So let's take a look at that today. Do you know your blood pressure? It's not your heart rate, it's the systolic and diastolic pressure that your heart pumps at, not how many beats it beats per minute. Mine was 112 over 67 this morning, and I would expect that bigger number to go up during my workouts to around 160 to 170. And that's a very comfortable kind of like light sweat level for me and for my personal trainer. The lower number shouldn't change that much. After two years of training and through mini-dosing my daily research, also known as taking my blood pressure regularly, I know that my heart is absolutely fine. If you're starting to get fit after lockdown and want to shed the weight Netflix has enforced on you, then you need to go through step three of the Sicily Statement. Read some articles about blood pressure. 
and find out the difference between systolic and diastolic pressure. I shall give you a hint. It's about the pressure on the walls of the artery when the heart beats and the following contraction. Go to your doctor and find out what your pressure is now and work out a plan with them on how to get it down if your blood pressure does need to come down at all. And this is the part where you get to personalise your clinical relevance. All of these are the mini doses that allow you to step into better health. And that, my dear friends, is the thing that makes life comfortable. All you have to do is apply all of this together on a very small microdose each day. Your personal blood pressure knowledge with your personalised plan based on your research whilst working with your healthcare professionals will make lifting the kettlebell a breeze. Your mini doses have built you a healthy lifestyle and have led you to the application of the results in practice, which sneakily means you have also fulfilled the fourth step in the EBP statement by default, by the way. The third tip for mini dosing is to evaluate the performance of your intake. Although this is not therapy related at all, I think this example is an easy way to look at the stats and the tracks. At the beginning of last summer, I wanted to be a writer. Not a published one, but I wanted to orientate my life towards being someone who writes each day and has a grasp of the English vocabulary. Not that I can pronounce many of the words that we've just spoken. I see words in a funky way through the lens of dyslexia. This was and is a lifelong relationship with my brain. But I am up for most challenges and I didn't see why I couldn't do it. I made my daily mini-dose statistics based, which meant that I plugged into the Grammarly app reports. Grammarly is the app that tells me when I am being an idiot with my D's, B's and P's, which each week they send me an email to let me know about my productivity. I pin... (laughs) I punch in at around 96% of users and my accuracy, which started at 2% of users. I have to confess, I felt really shamed by that number, but decided to use it as a good thing. And today I've actually increased to 28% of users for accuracy. This may sound totally daft, but during the past nine or 10 months, these statistics have encouraged me to keep on top of 10% of users for productivity in writing which has also allowed me to write a dissertation, weekly podcast scripts, and now bi-weekly blog posts for Cornerstone Therapies. My appalling accuracy stats led me to read articles on how to work through my dyslexia, rather than think it's something that either won't go away or can never be solved. It will always be with me, but I needed to change my focus and learn a beautiful language in other ways and not the standard one. So no surprise there. Tracking my writing and mini-dosing the results has helped my thought processes, but this tracking of results means that I can see that in another year I'll be an even better writer and a better communicator. The mini-dose of results allows me to have a passion and excitement about writing consistently. You can take this into all areas of life. Kettlebell squats, running distances, breath work, you name it, you can mini-dose it. There you have it. Three ways to mini-dose research that are easy to achieve and build on. If you'd like to read a blog that's based on today's episode, please head on over to the website at cornerstonetherapies.co.uk. Leave a comment, like and follow, and we'll be here for you next week as we close this mini-dose of a series on evidence-based practice, and it will be centred around chronic pain management. 
We look forward to meeting you back here. But until then, keep safe, be blessed and have a great week. Bye.